From the 1011 Now streaming studio in Lincoln, Nebraska, this is the End Report Husker Show. Hi everyone, Bill Wrenchler in the 1011 Now streaming studio, joined as always by Sports Director Kevin Suits for another edition of the End Report Husker Show. Kevin, since we spoke last, kind of a lot's happened, uh, especially in the hoops world. Uh, but we also had softball get underway, which we had news out of there with Jordy Ball's injury. Uh, baseball starting this week. Kind of, you know, for this supposed to be kind of maybe slower time of the year for Husker Athletics, things are really ramping up. Where do you up. want to start, Bill? I don't know. Where do, I think we've got to start with women's basketball. It is a potpourri of Husker news here over the past few days. You're right. And yesterday, I, you know, I really enjoyed, I was the, really the first time I'd sat down and watched a Husker women's basketball game from start to finish. And I got to enjoy it with my six-year-old. Which was really it was a pretty cool moment, and you know, I got to kind of got to explain everything to him. I had to explain what the you know the lower third and the scoreboard and everything like that was, and he kept saying, "Dad, I don't know if we're going to come back and win." And I said, "Well, we just have to watch till the end. You just never know." And if you look at the ESPN win probability chart with that game, that would kind of show you the story. Iowa kind of had the game in, in control until the very last minute when Jazz Shelley hits that three and big win for Amy Williams in that program. The easy narrative following that game is that Iowa went away from Caitlin Clark yep. because she had, what she finished with, 31, 31 points. She needed 39 to break the NCAA career scoring record. And it seemed at halftime like it was within reach, and then after the third quarter you thought maybe it was going to happen on Nebraska's home court. But then the Huskers changed their defense, and that's what I would like to point out to you and all of the people watching, watching and listening is that you know, Caitlin Clark went 0 for 6 in the fourth quarter. Something changed in the easy. The low-hanging fruit is that Iowa kind of scaled back a little bit, thought they had the game in the bag, and they wanted Caitlin Clark to not score late in the game so she could get the record at home because they play at Carver-Hawkeye on Thursday. Mm -hmm. How about we give a little credit to Nebraska's defense and coaching staff in particular, the fact that they switched up what they were doing defensively and they started going with a box and one, and they face guarded mm -hmm. Caitlin Clark. And that was the that Jazz Shelley did. That was the signal for a face guard. It wasn't trying to throw any shade at uh, at any other player that might might have been on the court. Yeah, there's a lot. We there's a lot of different avenues you can go if you want to have a Nebraska women's basketball discussion following the Iowa game, because there is so much there. There's the record-setting crowd, over fifteen thousand, and the atmosphere was awesome. It could be Nebraska's comeback. Caitlin Clark chasing history, the face guarding motion, which Jazz Shelley did after the go ahead three pointer, which was not a shot at Caitlin Clark or Iowa. Because Chase Madison, our colleague here at 1011, who was running the camera for us, he even has video of Amy Williams doing that immediately after Jazz made the shot. Mm -hmm. So it was not a mock of Iowa or anything of that regard. Mm -hmm. So we went down that avenue. And then the last thing is what happened in the post-game press conference. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure fans that have, you know, been kind of swept up in, you know, what was a very special day for the women's basketball program. Lisa Bluter, Iowa's coach, opens the door to go to the post-game news conference, but Nebraska's players had already sat down. They were doing their interviews. And to give you the full story here, do you want the full story? Or I want, should I just go cliff notes? I want the full Monty. Okay. Since we're on – we again, you can go different different routes, I was saying. Well, we're going to go down this route. All right. Because it is kind of something that people are fascinated by because a lot of Nebraska fans don't understand the way that things operate in the postgame setup. I was in the room, witnessed the whole thing. 
So this is what occurs. Mm -hmm. Nebraska players celebrate on the court. Iowa remains in the locker room. At the time in which the postgame news conference is supposed to start, really nobody is there. It was an extended wait. Instead of holding the media even longer, they decide to bring Nebraska's players to the postgame podium. And honestly, they wanted Iowa to go first, but mm -hmm. Iowa had been in the locker room so long. The gentleman who works for the University of Nebraska, who was in charge of the postgame uh, news conference, he even said to everybody in the room, and the media room was packed yeah. because there were some national people running cameras and national writers. There was the Nebraska media. There was the Iowa media. And I would guess there were probably around 15 cameras in the room. It was a big room. It was crowded. Yeah. He told everybody, this might be a little bit disjointed. We're going to start with Nebraska players. So he conveyed to us that he would have liked Iowa to go first, but since they hadn't come yet, let's get it going for the sake of everybody's time. It's Super Bowl Sunday. People yeah. have things to do. Yeah. So he brought Nebraska's players in. Alexis Markowski begins her opening answer, and I don't know that she got 20 seconds into it, and it was kind of heartfelt. It was talking about a special moment and that she got to experience a big win at her father's alma mater, and then all of a sudden the door opens, and you hear a voice, and you can quickly recognize it's Lisa Bluter, Iowa's head coach. And she used profanity in there. She was very upset that – Nebraska had already started its post-games news conference. She said, we have a flight to catch. Mm -hmm. And Alexis, in the middle of her comment, just pauses. And then Natalie Potts and Jazz Shelley, they were to her left and right. They all pause. They look to the side. Now, you can't see Lisa Bluter at this moment, but everybody knows it's her. And everybody knows there's an active scene. So there's like this 15-second pregnant pause in which everybody's like, what is going to happen here? Alexis proceeded because that's where Elisa Bluter walked away. She said what she wanted to say. And what she wanted to say was, this isn't Big Ten protocol. We have a flight to catch. This is fill-in-the-blank word. And uh, then she makes a comment about Nebraska playing music during a free throw. Mm -hmm. Caitlin Clark was asked about the free throw. And she said she didn't even recognize that. So I think that's just a coach that is very frustrated and kind of caught up in the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and then the door closes. Alexis continues to go on with her answer. And the rest of the press conference happens with Nebraska players. It was fine once that moment passed. But I think most of the people in the room were thinking, did that really just happen? Yep. And then Nebraska's players get done. They exit. Iowa's players come up. Caitlin Clark's one of two. Lisa Bluter never appears in the postgame news conference, though they did make her available outside of the Iowa locker room before they got on the bus. I did not know that part. I didn't. I knew she did not appear with the uh, with two Iowa players. I did not know that she made herself available though outside the locker room. It was a a moment where you kind of just looked at it, and it was kind of an awkward moment, and kind of felt bad for the Nebraska players who were up on the podium to kind of have that moment interrupted, but. Uh, I was surprised yeah. that it caught the national attention that it did. Yeah. And I guess shame on me for that because this is Iowa women's basketball, which is insanely popular right now. Mm -hmm. And it involves Caitlin Clark. And I will say this. I feel like the way that the Iowa players represented themselves and what they said, the message they conveyed to the media after the game, it didn't exactly align with 
Lisa Bluter's wrath and frustration in that moment. Yeah. You know, I felt like Caitlin Clark and her teammate really took the high road. Yeah. And, you know, Caitlin even said that, you know, the, the noise in the arena, you know, she didn't even notice it. And she said she's been hasn't been feeling the best, but she wasn't going to make any excuses. And she mm -hmm. says that the uh, the record chase, it wasn't a distraction in the game. They just didn't execute. And she paid uh, compliment paid a compliment to Nebraska for their defensive switch-up. So, you know, that doesn't quite match up with a, a very frustrated Lisa. Blake. And in that moment, you know, I'm sure she's frustrated they lost. I'm sure she maybe feels like she bears some of that responsibility. You know, even the announcers had kind of mentioned, again – not to take away from, from Nebraska's effort and their defensive switch, but even if you watch the broadcast, the announcers had kind of said, you know, the coach wants her to break that record at home. They said they might kind of go away from her a little bit if it kind of gets close. And so, you know, it's the whole coulda, shoulda, woulda, hindsight's twenty twenty. I would thought they had the game in the bag because they, they've played some close games with Nebraska mm -hmm. previously. And if you look at the, the body of work from the Huskers this year, and of course Iowa did their homework, they know that this team, if they get hot, Nebraska, mm -hmm. if they get hot, they can go on a quick run. Mm -hmm. They have that ability because they have three-point shooters at pretty much every position on the floor. And how did Nebraska get it from down 14 to up one to then up three? They made shots. They had some of their youngsters, Natalie Potts and uh, Logan Isley, come up with some huge plays mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter, and then they got stops. So it's like some of the things that Nebraska wanted to do. They really came together in the in biggest the moments of the minutes, ball game. Yeah. And you know, I I even asked Amy Williams following the game, you know, how did your team remain so confident late in the game? And you know, they didn't get caught up in the oh, this is Iowa. And, oh, Clark's going for the record. They just tried to stay pretty focused on what they wanted to execute. And I think so much of the credit in that regard goes to the coaching staff for having the team prepared, keeping them focused, and, you know, continuing to feed them what I call confidence pills. Yeah. And it was, I mean, from start to finish, it was a really good game. The Huskers at no point, you know, were, I would say, out of it, you know, Iowa would make a run. Nebraska would answer. It was always generally maybe about a three to sort of six, seven point game in there. Iowa stretched out a little bit there in the fourth quarter, but it was it, a really, really good game. And it got fun because there were multiple moments in the game where an Iowa player would make a three, whether it's Clark or Martin. Somebody would hit a three. Nebraska would come down, come down, and then they'd hit a three. And then the ensuing possession, boom, another. So it was back and forth, good, mm -hmm. high-level basketball. And really, uh, again, for me personally, I got a chance to appreciate – just how good Caitlin Clark is, because there were some shots, and, and you're like, she's not going to make this one. No. Just flushed it, and, and so she can shoot from anywhere. And I'll share I'll share you a quick with you a quick story about Caitlin Clark. And I think we'll need to move on because some people might be tired of us talking about an opposing player. But you know, this is who she is. Yeah. She's one of the greatest that's ever played the game. Yeah. collegiately. Um, her freshman year would have been 2020. The first time that Iowa came to Lincoln with Caitlin Clark on the roster, 2020. So that's an empty pickle bank. COVID year. Yep. And I believe it was a midweek game. And my colleague at the time in the 1011 sports office was Dan Corey. Mm -hmm. And Dan's assignment that night was to go to the game, uh, shoot video of the game, cover the game, do the reporting and all that stuff. I remember he came back after afterwards. Nebraska had lost. Caitlin had a really good game. He set the camera down, and he didn't even – sit in his seat yet and he looked at me and goes i think i just saw the best women's basketball player i've ever seen 
And Dan and Corey is not one for oh, no. hyperbole. And I actually talked to Dan a few days ago before Iowa came to Lincoln this weekend. And I said, hey, do you remember? And he does. <laughs> and, like, he was spot on in his analysis of who she was. So I always, as, like, the legend of Caitlin Clark has grown, I'll go back to that moment that it, all it took was, you know, one of the guys that I really value, respect, and um, still call a friend. You know, at his first time watching her play, he knew that there was something special. As a freshman. So we're done with basketball. Huge win for Nebraska, beating the number two team in the country. Just the second time in program history, the Huskers have beaten a number two ranked team. They've never gotten a number one. They have another opportunity this week, Valentine's Day. The Huskers travel to Iowa, Ohio State. Excuse me. And now Ohio State is what you would probably say is the leader in the clubhouse to win the Big Ten yeah. for women's basketball again. They are. And that's the other thing, you know, Iowa like. They're no longer in their driver's seat. No. So you think that they really sandbagged uh, and, and held off because of the record in spite of the Big Ten the championship, championship chase? I, I, you know, I, I don't think coaches are wired that way. I don't think, I don't think so either. teams are wired that way. No. They are winners and they want to win. And that's where my focus goes to Nebraska making the necessary changes, staying confident, and having a very memorable moment on the floor at PBA. So Amy Williams' squad now 16-8, and 8-5 eight, eight and five in the conference. They are the four seed as things stand right now. Um, we had talked you know, in previous segments that we've done that they're probably a pretty good bet for the tournament. They had a, a really are. A not good loss against Rutgers. This kind of sweeps that loss kind of under the rug a little bit, a win like this. And then again, you have another opportunity against, I believe, uh, number three, Ohio State. Number two. Number two, Ohio State uh, on Wednesday in Columbus. So that's the women's. There's a lot to talk about there. 16, 16 wins. Uh, now they have a top 10 win. Uh, this team is, they've, they've got a really nice resume. And Coach Williams has shared with us multiple times you know, part of the non-conference schedule that they played, it was all to help build that resume. Uh, even though they took some losses in there, they dropped the game to TCU mm -hmm. uh, over Thanksgiving week. You know, that doesn't look the greatest. They lost at Kansas. But, again, you're playing really good competition. Um, I think this team, right now, they're safely in the NCAA tournament. Probably around at 8-9 seed. And the last I looked in the RPI, they were around 30. And I think the latest on the ESPN's women's college Bracketology, and this does not have them include their win. Uh, has them as a, I believe, a ten seed. So again, safely in the tournament. I'll be really interested to see what when Fox comes out with the numbers. The numbers uh, on that game, viewership wise. Yeah, viewership wise. I mean, anywhere Iowa goes, they've basically been putting them on Fox left, right, and center, um, and they've been having some really big numbers. Their their game where Caitlin Clark will lightly set the record though is on Peacock. So interesting. Yes, very much so. Well, the last time Nebraska and Iowa played, it was a Saturday, and the game was on Big Ten Network, and that set the BTN record for highest viewership for a women's basketball game in the network's history. So that was on BTN. I think that's why you're fascinated to see the numbers, because this was on national TV on Super Bowl Sunday with Caitlin chasing the record. So there's a lot there. I think that this is going to have some historical value in terms of viewership. And as we mentioned, the attendance uh, school record, I think it was 15,042. And it was a pretty special atmosphere and they in were, downtown Lincoln. They were lined up early, early. On Sunday for that they game. They opened the doors 20 minutes early just so the folks didn't have to continue to wait right outside. outside. All right. So moving on to the other side of 
uh, basketball men's side. You, you, we sat here a couple weeks ago, and you said this four-game stretch at Maryland, home against Wisconsin, at Illinois, at Northwestern, win one. And don't panic. You're, you're still probably okay. They won one against a top-10 Wisconsin team at home, lost a nail-biter against Illinois at Illinois, took them to overtime, lost to Northwestern, tried to make a surge late, just never happened. So where do you kind of – where do things stand for you in terms of men's basketball who finally get a little bit of a break? They have a couple of days off here before they play again this weekend. Do you feel better or worse about Nebraska's chances of making the NCAA tournament going 1-3 one, one in three in that stretch? I think I feel probably the same. Exactly I st- right. I still want one, at least one road win. You did not know that the win would be against Wisconsin <laughs> no. at home. But if you go one and four, all's not lost because because that it's because that stretch was so challenging. And now it sets you up that you haven't played your way out of anything. Mm-hmm. It sets you up that you can play your way into securing a spot. Because you have Michigan come home and Nebraska played really well on Saturday night again against the Wolverines. And now you play Penn State, a team that's near the bottom of the conference at well as well. And guess where that game's at? It's at home. So if you get good Nebraska, you're going to start stacking some wins late in the year. And that's why there was a message of just don't panic mm-hmm. in that four-game stretch. Because on the backside of it, there is some great opportunity to start rolling the win total up. I still think the magic number for Nebraska is 21-22. I think you'd feel pretty good with the schedule that they've played getting to 22. What are they at right now? 16-17? They're at seven, they're 17 and 8. 7 and 0 at home in Big 10 play, 0 and 7 on the road in Big 10 play. Uh, that Michigan game for as exciting and as well as they played in that first half, I was glued to the television. That second half was a little bit of a snoozer, but I have to keep reminding myself, if you can have a snoozer of a second half in Big Ten play in February and win by 20, things are going pretty well. Oh, how you can just get so swept <laughs> up in the goodness of the 2024 Nebraska basketball yes. team. Because I would think the whatever you described, that second half of being, Bill? A little bit of a snoozer. If you rewind four years, what, you would take that team any day, right? Oh, yeah. The snoozer team. Yeah, 100%. You would take, because it's still a good team, Yes. It's because sometimes you just get wrapped up in what their potential is. And mm-hmm. you've seen the potential when they beat Purdue. They beat Wisconsin. And then that statement they made in the first 15 minutes against Michigan, that was pretty high-level stuff. And it was a shared uh, effort from mm-hmm. Nebraska. Josiah Alec, of course, brought his A game that day. Casey, C.J. Wilcher, Sam Hoiberg helping out. Like, it was a balanced and all-out team effort. They looked lock-in from the beginning. And so they're currently at 53 in the net rankings. They've kind of been kind of between in the they've been in the 50s for the past couple of weeks. Even with the big Wisconsin win, they didn't see a huge jump. Um, but yeah, so again, I still they're, think they're not making any ground because they're not they they didn't beat any of those quad one opponents on the road. Mm-hmm. So that's going to kind of keep you. So now, if you're going to get wins against teams like Michigan, like Penn State. Some of the other teams near the bottom of the Big Ten, you're not like if you beat Rutgers at home, you're it's not really going to boost you up the net ranking, and so you're just kind of trying to hang out and stay in that sweet spot because the resume right now with the quad one wins that they have, uh, it, it still puts them in a spot to be in the tournament. Yeah, so they got Penn State at home on Saturday. They go to Indiana uh, next week, and then Minnesota at home. Then they also travel to Ohio State. Rutgers at home. Finish the season at Michigan. Uh, so, again, three road games there at Indiana, at Ohio State, at Michigan. 
you'd have to think they stand a pretty good chance, it, if not if not on all three, in at least two of those road games. But again, I know it's hard to win on the road. I don't know how you can say that. Well, Michigan they haven't won on the road. Michigan is is not a great team this no. year, so they, I, I at least feel good about that one. Okay, so but that I, would be that would qualify as a bad loss. It would, it would, it, but uh, w- win on the they road. Have good wins. Yeah, they beat Wisconsin. And, and you have to just be careful of the. They're not immune to having a bad loss. No, they're not. They're not. And that Wisconsin team I saw in your latest. Uh, AP ballot, you dropped him quite a ways, down 23. Yeah, I debated whether to keep him in the top 25, Bill, to be honest with you, because they've lost, what, four in a row now? Mm-hmm. The challenge with Wisconsin is, and this is the way I, I was able to be okay with putting them on the ballot, every team ranked between 10 and 25 last week, outside of South Carolina, lost at least one game. So... If you're to knock Wisconsin out, who are they getting replaced by? Yeah. And that's where I was looking at some of those teams that are right on the fringe and are in consideration. And I can't, after watching Wisconsin to the extent that I have this year, including watching them in person, even though they weren't great when they played here at Pinnacle Bank Arena, I, I, I can't say that Wisconsin is a worse team than Washington State, for example. I don't, I, I can't do that. So that's why I'm going to keep them in the poll. I've, you know, Oklahoma's a good team. I, I think Wisconsin-Oklahoma, fairly comparable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm keeping Wisconsin in the poll right now because even though they're in a skid right now, I believe they're still one of the top 25 teams in college basketball. Yeah. And that's you know, where some subjectivity really has to come into play and based on you know, the overall Are you ranking on a snapshot of, of now of or are week. you ranking on the season as a whole? Just like Arizona. This yeah. week, you know, I, I've been a huge fan of Arizona all season long. Yeah. And I have them number three in this week's poll. Did they go through a funk? Yeah, they've lost five games this year. Mm-hmm. But I still think they're one of the top four teams in college basketball. So try not to get so caught up in the microcosm of the week and more look at the entire body of work. So our, our talks make, make me appreciate just how stressful being a top 25 voter actually is. Especially if you know if you really really care about it, which you obviously do. Well, I have not looked at the uh, you know the poll drops at about noon every Monday, and there is a website that fans can get on and they can <laughs> you know approve or disapprove of individuals' ballots. Everybody's yeah. ballots is posted, and I have not looked at this week's. So I might go back to my desk as soon as we're done and find out that I have like a negative ninety-one rating. Um, I, I'd probably I'd probably received a few emails by now if that's the case. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good times. I got um, Creighton in the top twenty-five too. Same thing. Yeah. You know they <laughs> they've had some bad losses recently, Bill. But again, you know, are you telling me that a team with Kalkbrenner and Shireman and Trey Alexander is not one of the top twenty-five teams in the country? Yep. No, they are. They are. They they are. But the record doesn't always you know completely illustrate how good a team is. So, moving on to softball, the Huskers opened in Mexico. Again, obviously a ton of excitement this year for Husker softball with the addition of Jordy Ball to the roster. And we kind of stumbled out of the gate a little bit. Jordy kind of went down with uh, a bit of an ankle in the very first game. It was knee, knee third, third third inning. So, what can you kind of tell us? What's the latest on Jordy Ball? Do, do we know when we might expect her back? I honestly am 
have not heard anything, so I'm 100% clueless. It on sounds that. like she is getting evaluated here, uh, I believe, either today or tomorrow in Lincoln when the injury happened, which was so incredibly unfortunate because this is one of the most anticipated team, uh, seasons in Nebraska softball history. And look at what Jordy Ball's arrival has done for ticket demand, popularity, um, and just growth of the fan base in terms of softball. And then for it to just stumble out of the gates and culminate in an injury in Mexico after she'd already given up a run, it, it was just a very puzzling and unfortunate thing. And she, she delivered a pitch, and it looked like either her foot got caught or, or something happened where you know her leg could not support her body, and she went down. Mm -hmm. And then she was slow to get up, and she had to be helped off the field. Nebraska removed her from the game. She did not even go through the handshake line. And this is the season opener, and mm -hmm. it happened – um, in the middle of the third inning. So Jordy Ball exits the game, and she does not play the rest of the weekend. So she stays with them down in Mexico. They said she would be evaluated when she comes back to Lincoln, and I think that's the, the phase that the university is in right now and trying to determine what the injury is and what a timeline would look like. So unfortunately, don't have a timeline for you at this moment. And so they end up going 2-2 two and two while they're down there. Again, they played Washington and Duke, two top 15 teams, and they, they lost both those teams, but they did top Long Beach State and Utah Valley. So, again, 2-2 two and two out of the Puerto Vallarta Challenge in Mexico. They uh, are on the road in New Mexico for the Troy Cox Classic. And so they'll have New Mexico State, Montana, Sacramento State uh, Friday and then into the upcoming weekend. Also on Friday, baseball starts. Husker men's baseball is traveling down, uh, I believe it's Dallas? Correct. For the Shriners Children's College Showdown. Again, some Big 12 uh, flavor in this one. They have Baylor, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma. If you're a fan of college baseball, this is the tournament to keep your eyes on. Like, and beyond the opponents that Nebraska faces, this is a, a multi-team tournament that's going to span the weekend. Mm -hmm. And there are some heavy hitters in terms of college baseball. And yeah, it's going to be fun for some fans to not only get acclimated with this year's team, but also see some of those old Big 8, Big 12 uh, teams on the opposite side of the field. Yeah, so that's something we'll uh, certainly be watching closely. We don't know Nebraska's opening day pitcher at don't this moment. Nope. Um, we plan to meet with Will Bolt on Wednesday, so hopefully before they take off, we'll have an idea of what the pitching rotation looks like. I had in my TikTok feed, I think it was yesterday, show up was the finish to the Arkansas Regional when uh, there was the wild pitch that broke the tie game against Nebraska-Arkansas and then the three-run home run that proceeded on, I think, the next pitch. Kind of tugged at my heartstrings a little bit there. Made sure, me but it made, it made you want baseball, didn't it? Made me, it did make me want baseball I've again. seen them practice a few times already and uh, been impressed. There are a lot of new faces. This, mm -hmm. is a, this is a team that went out and hit the portal hard, mm -hmm. hit recruiting hard, got some nice pieces in their freshman class that can contribute. And so uh, that's one of the questions we'll be having for Will Bolt here on Wednesday is, of the newcomers, how many have worked themselves into a starting role? What does the lineup look like? Dylan Carey is going to be one of the one of the faces and names that fans can remember. He slid over to the shortstop spot, and replacing Max Anderson and Bryce Matthews, that's not going to be easy. So not only do you lose those out of the lineup in their offensive production, they were also your middle infield. So we know mm -hmm. Carey is going to go to, to shortstop, who's going to be at second base. That's going to be a big part of the puzzle. So um, of the burning questions I have about Nebraska baseball, it, it is who's your middle infield? 
Mm -hmm. What's your pitching rotation look like? And how many of these newcomers are going to play pretty substantial roles in the opening weekend? And we'll get some of those answers again on Wednesday when we hear from uh, head coach Will Bolt. And then again this weekend when they finally take the diamond. Kind of to finish things up today, we got a chance to meet Glenn Thomas today for the first time. Co-offensive coordinator with Marcus Satterfield and quarterbacks coach. Uh, formerly, or just with, with the Pittsburgh Steelers this last season, he joins Matt Rule's staff. A familiar face for Matt Rule. Very familiar with face with Matt Rule and also with Marcus Satterfield. Mm -hmm. And a lot of folks are curious, how is this dynamic going to work with the co-offensive coordinator tags between Thomas and Satterfield? Because they have a relationship that spans 20 years, I think that gives everybody some peace and comfort with this dynamic and they made it work previously back in 2016 and I think that you know if, if fans thought that there might be some growing pains with the co-offensive coordinator and two um, seasoned coaches kind of serving in similar capacities is there a, a feeling out process well just that happened seven eight years ago <laughs> so they kind of know and, and that's one thing that uh Coach Thomas shared with the media on Monday was that with Matt Rule and this coaching staff, it's low ego and it's less about who comes up with the concept mm -hmm. and more about adopting the concept. Mm -hmm. And so there is just a an atmosphere of welcoming any and all ideas. And then it's up to Matt Rule to say, all right, this is what I like. and We're going to go with it. And it doesn't matter if it's. You know, Donovan Raiola saying, I think we should run right more. Or if it's Glenn Thomas saying, you know, a bubble screen is open on, you know, a third and short. Mm -hmm. It's just about the idea, not about the person who creates the idea. And uh, I know there had been some questions with the whole co-offensive coordinator, maybe who's going to call plays. Matt Rule put that to bed real quick last week during his uh, February signing day press conference. He said, you know, Marcus Satterfield's the offensive coordinator. He doesn't even have a co necessarily. He's the offensive coordinator. Glenn Thomas is the co-offensive coordinator. Satterfield will call the plays. Satterfield will call the plays, period. Yes, period. End of story. So, uh, got a chance to meet him. Um, we'll have that coverage coming up tonight, coming up tonight. 6 and 10 on 10-11. Uh, so, share some of his. Uh, you get to see him. Mm -hmm. You get to hear from him about uh, you know what it's like being in Lincoln, how he got here. And uh, what his vision is for these three scholarship quarterbacks that they have, two of which should be in high school right now. 18 years Danny old. Danny Kalen yep. and Dylan Raiola. Yep. So they've got a lot of work to do here this spring. And, you know, Glenn Thomas, his eyes kind of lit up thinking about how this spring is a great opportunity to get these guys reps. That's his number one thing with um, with the upcoming offseason practices. Just get these guys as many chances to to work with their teammates and touch the football as they can. What do you say? You can't get better at football without playing football? Yep. I think is what he said. I like that line. Pressure I, is a privilege. That was his other line that really stands out. And that was in reference to the question of how do you accept that role of coaching the group that has the most scrutiny? And he said, listen, that's not just a Nebraska thing. That's a quarterback thing. Mm -hmm. Pressure is a privilege. Yeah, doesn't matter where you are. And really quickly, wanted to mention just one last thing. Uh, with the AP Top 25 poll for the women's side, Nebraska did get or did receive one point in the in the voting. So, so they got a vote. A vote. At spot number 25. At spot number 25. Who knows? Again, you string, you string together a couple more wins. Maybe Yo, if you beat Ohio State on the road, 
you're getting more than one vote at 25. <laughs> exactly right. So, all right, Kevin, appreciate your time today. Appreciate everyone for uh, tuning in and watching. As always, keep it tuned, 1011, both on air and online for all of your latest news, weather, and sports. And until next time, folks, we'll see you later. You've been listening to the Enry Port Husker Show from 1011. Watch, listen, and stream on the 1011 Now app on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch the End Report on 1011 Sports at 6 and 10 p.m. And download the 1011 Now app.